Okay, ladies and gents, boys and girls, happy Tuesday, October the 4th, 2022. Appreciate you all tuning in. Chris Phillips here, the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up show. What is going on? We are rocking. We are rolling here on this Tuesday. Again, appreciate you all. Thank you all so much for tuning in. The continued love and support, obviously. We got a lot to dive into and dissect here on this Tuesday, and a busy Tuesday. We got Alex McGrath jumping on at 12.15. We've got Shane Beamer's media availability at 1.30. And in the meantime, I want to hear from you. Take your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Guys, before we dive into everything, I do want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks because the Daily Crow is brought to you by our friends over at Prize picks. And by the way, I see Luke, RJ, Gad, Brendan, Justin Langford, Travis Allen, Steve World Jr., Jesse Jacobs, JD Holbrooks, Travi, Austin War, Chase Floyd. Also, all those in the Big Cock Club Discord over the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel. Be sure your questions are answered there. Uh, again, guys, TDC brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go down the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% deposit match up to. $100. Guys, you can play anything and everything you can think of. Prop plays on college sports, MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, you name it. They got it, guys. So many of our listeners are already making tons of money with prize picks and breaking the bookie this season. So, again, that is our friends over at Prize Picks. Go down the Prize Picks app, go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Uh, Hunter Herlong, we should be live on YouTube. Yes. Yes, Hunter, we should. Let me check it real quick. Hunter, yeah, we're live on YouTube. Uh, I don't know if maybe your YouTube or what have you messing up, but we are live on YouTube. Uh, again, guys, here taking your questions, comments, calls, and really excited to chat with you all. I see some comments already about it. Uh, John says, can you bet the over-under on Lance's lattes on prize picks? No, but we should start just doing our own thing with, with Lance's lattes, I feel like, on prize picks. Why not? Why not? Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much for the continued love and support. Lady Bree, I see you as well. Brian Dean, Chance Crocker says, to hell with Kentucky is what I'll say. We'll, we'll try to keep it PG at least for now. Um, yeah, I had to pull out the retro lid today, by the way, the old 2001 Outback Bowl champions. Got to, got to pull out that retro lid, if you will. Um, guys, again, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Podcast will drop tomorrow. We'll have a heavy gambling episode, of course, talking best bet, SEC gambling picks. Uh, also, I'll give my full thoughts on Shane Beamer's Tuesday presser. We'll do SEC gambling picks, like I said, and also we'll have a great conversation, um, with my good friend, Stephen Hartzell, and you guys might be like, who in the world is Stephen Hartzell? Um, <clears throat> he is a host on College Sports Now, which is a podcast for college sports fans. Uh, pretty big show. They got about 8,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, a show that I actually, believe it or not, when I lived back in Charlotte, I would listen to the show and always love listening to Stephen Hartzell and uh, the guys they bring on. So really excited to chat with him and just talk some Gamecocks football and keep the conversation moving and uh, excited. Anyways, guys. Um, Peyton Level, your podcast is so famous. They caught what Garcia said about playing in Kentucky. Um, yeah, that that clip is really has really gone crazy, and it's uh, and I kind of figured it would, but it's it's a blessing, man. It's a blessing that you know what we do here. Um, 
is cared about by so many, right? You know, we're able to get guests on like Steven Garcia, who has an opinion that people care about. People care about what Steven Garcia has got to say. So uh, really exciting, guys. I'll also say this again. Thank you all so much for the continued love and support because speaking of Garcia and, and uh, his appearance, we are actually working with right now a brand, and I'm sure you guys can guess which one it is. We are working with a brand to help uh, sponsor Steven Garcia's Monday segment. Really looking forward to it. Had a call with the CEO this morning. And uh, really, really pumped, man, for this to come to fruition. I know it's going to. It's going to be a beautiful partnership, just like all of our partnership and business relationships are. Uh, and, again, it could not happen. It couldn't happen without you guys. So, again, I say thank you all so much, man, for the continued love and support. Everything's rocking on the merchandise side of things. Got all of our towels and koozies out this morning. So, any of you out there who are waiting for towels and koozies, they were sent this morning. You will have them by game day this weekend. Um, so again, appreciate y'all, man. Appreciate y'all the success on the merch side of the business. Uh, it's just been incredible, man. It's been the biggest game changer, if you over the business. Hunter Herlong with the super chat. Hunter, thank you, sir. Appreciate you, Hunter. Thank you. Thank you, Hunter. Hunter says, feel like Satterfield is stuck in his own ways, running what he wants rather than what he needs when the personnel we have. Yeah, Hunter, I, listen, I, I put out the clip this morning. Of course, it was commentary from the show yesterday, but I gave Marcus Satterfield, I was one of the few defenders, right? I really just felt like, oh, you know, personnel's not good and all this, that, whatever. But And, and I, I'm trying to be patient. I mean, listen, if it's going to click, it starts Saturday. If, if it's going to click, it starts Saturday. You know, because Kentucky's a quality football team. Give Kentucky all the credit in the world, but they're not Georgia. They're not Alabama, like I said in that clip, guys. Like, this is a team you should be able to have some offensive success against. Right, I'm not saying you know that you look at their numbers and right, you compare the numbers between South Carolina and Kentucky. There's a lot of similarities, believe it or not, which is why I really do feel this is a toss-up game. But they have been staunch defensively. They've been solid defensively, no doubt. But it's still a team. I think if you're going to click, like this is the week, and 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 you've had extra time to get ready, and you've had extra time to get ready. So I mean, there's just simply no excuse. There's absolutely no excuse for the offense to not show life and to not click this weekend. None. You have no – there's nothing you can fall back on. Because, guys, if we're at a point – Hunter Herlong, again, thank you for the super chat and the question. If we're at a point where we lose to Kentucky and we have to – well, just tip your cap. You know, Kentucky's just that. If we're at that point, we have slipped down to where Vandy is. Like, like we are. We are. Bottom line. So, you know – I say give Kentucky all the credit in the world, but we, we should not be looking – we should not be looking at Kentucky like we look at a Georgia, like we look at an Alabama, like we look at even a, a Tennessee or a Florida. We shouldn't be looking at them that way. You know, again, if we're at the point where we have to tip our cap to Kentucky in football, that says more about where we are than where they are. And I'm not trying to take anything away from them. Stoops has done a hell of a job. I'm sure we'll have some Kentucky fans jump in here and troll later in the week, if not today, because that clip went so crazy. I'm sure some of them are just watching for the next piece of content that I put out there or we put out there. But, uh, and by the way, guys, just to give you all an idea of that that clip and how how much of a hold UK fans got of it, uh, 40.9 thousand views is where that clip currently sits. So, uh if you need any, uh, any any reassurance that the numbers are doing well, I, I've got plenty of ammo for you. Anyways, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, um, it's, it's just put up or shut up, like I said, man. It's, it's put up or shut up. It's put up or shut up, no doubt. Um, let's see. 
Really excited to hear what Alex McGrath um, has to say because he actually texted me, and I'll bring up this text. I'll bring up this text when he jumps on during the game. And Alex was not thrilled. Let's put it that way. Alex was not thrilled. Luke RJ, I have not looked at prize picks. I'll pull it up during the break and let you know. I'm not sure. They may not have Rattler's passing totals or his numbers up yet. But the second they're available, I will let you know. Um, Let's see. We got a couple texts here. Let's dive into these real quick. Guys, if you're looking to get your questions in, I will say that's a great way to get your question and make sure it gets answered because we don't get a lot of text. So it's a great way to kind of separate your questions. If you're not in the Big Cock Club Discord, great way to separate your questions from the others. Jesse Texan says, do you think Beamer's on Satterfield throughout the week on changing up the offense or, or taking more shots? Or do you see him not interacting? Seems like he knows the issues and would pressure set. You know, it's it's really tough to say because, listen, the, these coaches are not stupid. Like, the, these coaches know what's being said. I mean, Marcus Satterfield, God forbid, blocked Brad Crawford on Twitter. Do you really think he doesn't see and hear all the heat and, and feel the pressure? Hey, Shane Beamer follows us on Twitter, and Shane Beamer's as in touch with social media as any coach out there. So, bro, they know the pressure. They know it, right? <clears throat> they hear the chatter. They know what's being said. So, you know, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. From what we've been able to gather, <clears throat> it seems like to me Beamer believes in Satterfield. Now, is he behind closed doors? I would like to think they're doing everything in their power to make sure we do everything possible to give us the best opportunity to win the football game. Bottom line. Bottom line. I mean, if we, if we can't say that, we got bigger issues, right? Uh, we got bigger issues. So... Anyways, I, I I would like to think they are putting together a game plan that will give us the best chance to win. Let's see. Our guy Kane Moore says, big game this weekend, but here's a fun fact. UK is 2-38 and 38 against teams that they trail by 14 points. Just shows how crucial it is to get off to a fast start. Your take. Well, I mean, Kane, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm sure if you looked at our record and we're down by 14 or more, I'm sure it's also abysmal. I mean, there, there aren't going to be many teams, Kane, that, you're going to look and say, man, they're, they're, they're 14 and two when they're down by 14 points. It's like, yeah, when you get down big, you typically lose. You typically lose when you get down big, right? So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And it just goes to show you're right, the importance of getting off to a fast start. It, it does show the importance of getting off to a fast start, no question. So... Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. My guy C tuned in to the Big Cock Club Discord. What's up, man? Appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Luke RJ says, Chris, what would you put Rattlers over in a passing yard at for Kentucky? Like if I'm if I'm a, if I'm the bookie trying to trying to get even money on both sides, probably two fourteen and a half, something like that. I don't know. I mean, it's I haven't looked at like their pass defense, what they're allowing, but that that feels about right. Um, maybe maybe a little bit more because I think we're going to have to throw the ball. I don't I, I don't see us uh, until <clears throat> until proven otherwise. And this may be one of the games, right? This may be one of the games. I I, I just don't see us being a team that's going to lean on the run game. And, and I and I think if we get in trouble offensively, it's going to be because Marcus Satterfield is like like here's what can't happen. Here's what can't happen offensively. Because I feel like this is what's going to happen. 
We've ran the ball well the last two games. Right? We have. Against two inferior opponents. And and Marcus Satterfield is going to get this idea that that's who we are. And that's what he wants to do. He's literally said it, guys. That's what he wants to do. 12 or 13 personnel. We didn't bring him in here to, to hand the ball off. Well, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. So I'm what 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 scares me is that we're going to get in this mode of we're going to try to just do that again, and if it doesn't work, well, it's not the scheme's fault. We we just didn't we didn't play well enough up front to get the job done. That's what terrifies me. You know, if we go out there and run for sixty four yards, like we're probably going to do, run for two point eight yards per carry, like we're probably going to do. If we're not willing to be creative and go downfield and and, and and, and commit to the passing game, we're just going to get the same result. And that's why I'm saying that this is the make-or-break game for Marcus Satterfield. Because, again, this is a manageable opponent. This is, this, is not, this is not Georgia. This is not Bama. This is not a game where you leave and say, man, you just, you know what? Like, if you – and I, I know this sounds crazy. If you lose because of defense, I can live with that. I can live with a loss because of defense. I, I cannot live with another anemic performance offensive. I, I can't live with it. I can't live with it. I just can't live with it, guys. I, I Like, not with the players you have, and it's game six. You've had all spring, all summer, all fall camp, and you've had five games to this point. Like, if it's not, and I said this all summer too, like, if it's not clicking by Kentucky, I'm out. I'm just out. And somebody texts in, um, let's see. Do you think the fire sat train will deter recruiting? For the record, I think he's not the guy. I want him gone like yesterday. Dude, I I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. They've recruited well. He's recruited well. I, I, I don't know what it'll do re- to recruiting, but you can't not make a necessary move because you're scared a couple of guys. We need to worry about the guys we have on the roster now and getting the most out of the players we have on the roster now. You know what I mean? Because if you have the wrong guy, you don't have a good scheme, and you're conservative, and it doesn't matter who you bring in. I mean, you got Spencer Rattler at quarterback, and he looks like just another guy. You know what I mean? So, uh, on that note, since we're on such a bright spot here, we'll go ahead and bring in my guy, Alex McGrath. He joins us every single Tuesday to talk kind of football. Alex, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Doing good, buddy. How you doing? I am doing well. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, on a quick side note, um, we got a wedding this weekend. We're actually playing golf Friday at the River Club. You ever ventured down to North Augusta and played the River Club or no? I've never been down there, no. Yeah, well, it, it is a good track if you ever get a chance. Uh, really, really nice, as it sounds, on the river, uh, the Savannah River that separates Georgia, South Carolina. Pure track. I definitely send you a couple pictures. It's a very pure track. Really, really nice. Really nice. Not too That's... difficult, but you got some quick greens, and it's just a nice course, though. It's a nice course. And, and, and apparently it'll be beautiful weather. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a high of a uh, 87 Friday, which is crazy, which is crazy. Um, huh. Yeah. So it's gonna higher be really, than I thought you were going to say. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be nice in, in North Augusta. Um, also another track in the CSRA Palmetto golf club. I don't know if you've heard of that one. That's an Aiken. Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That one's, yeah. Pal- that's a gem. Gonna, yeah. That's a gym. Yeah. Historical. Uh, I think Bobby Jones, like locker is still there or something. And, you talk about lightning fast greens. Those are probably the fastest greens in the area for sure. Of a course you can play. Either yeah, way though, um, yeah, really, really excited to get back on the links. It's funny, man. I think I'm gonna hit the driving range Thursday, but I'm already like feeling like you know we're playing with all the dudes and everything. My dad's playing all the 
uh, my, you know, my sister's about to be husbands playing and all the groomsmen, all that, whatever. And I'm like, but I'm like, I'm already overthinking it, Alex. When I go out there and I don't care, I shoot well, when, especially when I'm not playing for a while. If you go out there and care, that's when you screw it up. Golf is oh, a beautiful game. Sure. <laughs> Golf is a beautiful game that we have ruined with expectations. When you put expectations on golf, you ruin it. You ruin it. Agreed. That's it. <laughs> totally agree. That, which is why you probably shouldn't go to the driving range at all. Right, right, right. You shouldn't even, like, warm up. Shouldn't even warm up. If I hit no. it every time I swing, today was a success. Yeah, that, that's, it. that's it. And if you if you have that attitude, you can't leave unhappy unless – and if, you're, if you do leave unhappy, you should probably just sell your clubs and pick up a tennis racket. So, that's not yeah. nor there. Just, I, just I, aim I, small, miss small. That's yeah, it. I will say on a uh, on a funny side note, just real quick. It when I used to back in college with caddy at Sage Valley, one of the caddies got in trouble because it was like he was on seventeen and he got so frustrated because the the, the guy playing. I mean, you you would think right, like a course that's thirty thousand dollars a year and a two hundred fifty thousand dollar initiation fee that you know there'd be some. I'm not saying real players, but people that play golf, dude. They you would be shocked to see the hackers that come out to a beautiful golf course like that. And uh, one of the players asked the caddy on 17, like, you, you got any advice for my game? And, and the caddy just real snarky, just said, yes, sell your clubs and, 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 and go play tennis. And uh, he got in trouble for that. <laughs> he, I can see that. You can't say that to the paying guests, but uh, I mean, no. he, gave his, he gave his honest feedback. So I respect it. Um, anyways, Alex, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Obviously we got a lot to discuss and a lot to get into. And I, I want to jump into immediately because we sit in a huge week, arguably the biggest week of the Shane Beamer era, or at least at this point, it feels that way. But I want to go back to a really funny text, if I can find it, if I can find it, that you sent me. Here we go. During the South Carolina State game, oh you boy. said, I'm all the way in on fire sat. The fence post I've been sitting on is chafing my ass lest the swing passes. So... <laughs> The game ended up playing out fairly well. You know, we win 50 to 10. Um, but, you know, you kind of clump, and I know we already talked about Charlotte last week or whatever, but you kind of clump Charlotte and SC State kind of together, two very similar opponents, two very similar games. Your feelings on the offense coming into this weekend, and I've already gone on record, Alex, and said, you know, this, this is the game for me. It's either it's, it's going to work, and we're going to show progress, and we're going to put together a solid offensive performance with, by the way, extra time to prepare for Kentucky since you had a Thursday night game, or we're not. And I, and I think at that point we will know Marcus Satterfield is just not cut out because you, you, we, we've. I felt like I feel like Alex. I've been as patient as possible, defended him all last year, made every excuse in the book. But if by the halfway point of this season, with all the pieces you have, if it still looks anemic. I'm out. I'm, 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 my patience has run out. Where do you stand with everything? How do you feel about the offense to this point, what you saw the last two games, specifically the last game, and then going into this weekend, what you need to see? I mean, it was nice to see us throw the ball down the field. I mean, it was unfortunate the first one, you know, bounced off some hands and ended up getting picked off. But, I mean, that, that's the risk-reward of doing that, right? You throw a 50-50 ball and you see what happens. It's just – it's it's frustrating. It, it's just been frustrating watching it to this point. And, and there could be a missing piece in this that we're unaware of or whatever. But to not push the ball down the field with the talent that we do have on the offensive side of the ball and just continuing to throw swing passes and wide receiver screens and, you know, all of that jazz and not feature who you thought would be dominant players in the offense, like, you know, 
it's it's just tough. It, like it, it's just tough to watch. It is, and, and swing pass sat. By the way, is the nickname that I've given Marcus Satterfield at this point because I, I just that's, I don't. That's... I don't know. Like, on one hand, I'm like, maybe I'm over-exaggerating. But on the other, I'm like, I have never seen an offense throw. Like, it reminds me of the old Clemson offense. Like, when Dabo first got there, and they were just bubble-screening you to death. That was the Billy Napier offense. Right, right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's that's what it feels like to me. And I, and you know, I see a comment here, by the way. Lady Bree, who's a a staunch Satterfield defender and, and whatever says that we could lose 48 to 45. Everybody blames Satterfield. I disagree with that completely. I, I, I disagree with that completely. I mean, I, I think 30-plus offensive points at Kentucky, I will feel better because I, you know, and I just said this, Alex, and I'll get your take in as we go into this Kentucky game because I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about SC State. It is what it is. You did what you need to do. This game against Kentucky, you're, you look at the Wildcats. I still think they're overrated at 13th. I, I really do. They were overrated as hell being a top-10 team. I'm not saying they're not a good team, but they're overrated at 13 in my mind. Um, but you look at them defensively, solid group, but they're not Georgia. They're yeah. not Alabama. Like, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to move the football to some degree. And if you can't, Alex, and if you have to tip your cap to Kentucky, then I think you have to reevaluate where you are as a football program. If you're at that point, then you're not what you think you are. You know what I mean? Like, give all the credit in the world to Kentucky. But if we're now starting to clump Kentucky up there with the Tennessees and the Georgias and the Floridas, we got bigger issues on our hands. Yeah, and casually observing Kentucky to this point in the season, I I certainly don't think they're at that level by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it is entirely possible Tennessee isn't either. Um, We'll find out more about that this weekend, and then they got to play Alabama the weekend after that. But, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't, I think they're, I mean, I said it last week, you know, certainly I didn't think they were the number eight team in the country mm. by any stretch of the imagination, which is why they were six point dog to Ole Miss when that line opened. So, you know, we, us coming into this plus 10 and a half seems, I don't know. That's just, that seems like a lot to me because I'm kind of, I'm with you. I, I don't know that we've really seen anything from Kentucky to this point in the season that shows you that they're world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, certainly you've got every opportunity to put something together here and have a very successful outing. And it's just like, can we put those pieces together to make that happen? And that's just going to involve doing more than, you know, running counters and throwing swing passes. We're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to feature some playmakers in this one. Yeah, I, and I will say to your point because it's not all bad, right? I I did see them take some shots down the field. The unfortunate interception, um, you know, they went down the field there. Uh, the deep ball to Jalen Brooks, he comes down, which by the way, Jalen Brooks has established himself as a big time playmaker for you. It's been incredible what he's done. Uh, I loved the play action to Jaheim Bell. Uh, you know, he's obviously got to touch it more. Um, I think that's still where, Alex, I, I find myself still wanting to see more. It's, it's even coming out of Charlotte and SC State where you feel like your playmaker should be featured a lot. Like a, a guy like Jaheim Bell, it just still feels like he's being criminally underutilized. Josh Van is a complete non-factor. Complete non-factor. Outside of returning a couple punts here and there. 
And, you know, uh, you know it, it's just, are you still, are you getting the most out of the offense? I think most would say no to this point. But again, this week can really change the narrative. I'll ask you on that note, Alex. You know, I labeled this game over the summer the greatest inflection point of the season because I, I and I, I look at it kind of that way for Kentucky too. And maybe some would disagree, and that's a little bit over exaggerating because there's a lot of football left. But I just kind of feel like this is the fork in the road, right? For the Gamecocks, especially. Like if you're going to go win seven games, let's say, this is one you need to win. Like th- th- this is one you need to take, right? <clears throat> you lose this one. You may still get the six, but you're going to feel like you're fighting this uphill climb, this uphill battle, basically for the remainder of this season or until you win a game over a quality opponent, right? I think almost for more so the health of the fan base and the health of the program regards the the mentality of this season, that's why you more so need this win than anything because nothing would sting more than to to go into the bye week, right? Three and three, 0 and three in conference play. You don't have a quality win. Your best win is over a, at this point, one and four Georgia State team, boy, don't we look foolish for hyping them up after week one. They, they you know, they, they're not <laughs> worth a damn. No offense, no offense to Sean Elliott, they ain't worth a damn. But, um, you know, do, do you, let me ask you this, do you feel like folks are making too much of this game? Because there's a lot of people that are putting like, you know, this is it, this is the game. It's like either you win this one and the hopes and expectations and dreams of this season are still alive or you lose and your season's broken practically. I, no, I think it's a bigger fork in the road just because of the, like, it's a night game on the road that we haven't won in quite some time. And I think that's, I think that's more where you're going to see the fork in this road is like, can the players on this roster step up to that moment? Or even, you know, even just if you can get out there and I hate to even say this, but like, if you can get out there and like, just be competitive and fight and keep it, to where it's a fourth quarter game that could go either way. Like, I think that's what everybody wants to see. It's just the maturation process of this team in year two under Shane Beamer. I, I know you'd agree with this, Alex. I mean, if you go out there and lay another egg, heads have that's got to be that, heads, that's heads have be got a roll in some capacity. I, I mean, it's just because I, I think, you know, Alex, that's the internal dilemma. Maybe you can help me out with this, but that's the internal dilemma I've had this week is that, you know, we are exactly where I picked us to be at this point. We're three and two. It's exactly where I picked us. And over the preseason, I said, we're going to be three and two, and we're going to beat Kentucky on the road because Spencer Rattler is going to outduel Will Levis, and we're going to do just enough, and we're going to win 31 to 24. I haven't locked in my prediction for this weekend. I don't really know how to feel because, again, we're where I thought we'd be exactly. I mean, some of my score predictions from the summer have been scary close i had 49 to 10 over sc state in july 50 to 10 was the final pat myself on the back. pat myself on the back for that one but uh anyways but it doesn't feel like i thought it would you know what i mean it just it just doesn't feel like i thought it would it, it, and it, like why do you think that is i think it's because the lack of competitiveness we've seen in the bigger game and i think it stems back all the way to the season opener yeah, not playing worth a damn against Georgia State, you know. So I, I don't know. It's just a weird feeling, Alex. It's it's a mix of emotions for me right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree because it it feels it feels a lot like last year to some extent. Uh, it's it's more I don't want to say disappointing because it's you know it's kind of you're right. It's exactly where you think they're going to be, but it just doesn't look. It's exactly what I said last week. It just doesn't look different than it did last year. 
And I think that's the tough part of this is like, you've got a healthy Marshawn Lloyd. who was a five-star prospect coming out of high school. You got Spencer Rattler transfers in five-star quarterback coming out of high school. You get Stogner from Oklahoma. Who's a four-star tight end coming out of high school. You got, and then you have all these other pieces back on that offense with one more spring, one more fall practice under their belts to shore this up. And it just, for whatever reason, it just hasn't clicked. And I think that's why, <laughs> you know, like when was the last time we hung 50 in back-to-back weeks? Been quite I mean, a while. Say, been, I, mean, I think it's been, like, I think, uh, yeah, I think 1995 was what they said. Okay. And that yeah, year, so we, we hung 53 year, three games in a row. Which, all right. Well, I'll take that. that uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, that it's just, it's like it's just not clicking. And I think that's why it's more disheartening, disappointing because of the players that you've added this offseason that should have improved the offense tremendously. And it just, for whatever reason, it just hasn't clicked. And I don't know. I mean, we could speculate what that reason is, but I, w- I wanted to ask you too, like, I assume you watch most of the press conferences. Yes. You talking about like the Tuesday pressers or the post game? Yeah. 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 yeah so, we, so we watch them. So we watch them on here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, is there like, does, does any reporter in the pool ask why they're not featuring Van and Bell? Has that Alex, come up, Alex? Once? Alex, thank God you asked me that question. I, I just, I mean, and it's no knock on the on the the big J journos out there, but it is the most softball, just easy. Listen, Alex, nobody's going to ask a question that you want asked, and nobody's going to ask a question that I would ask because, listen, you know why they won't give me credentials, and I don't, I don't want them for everybody who's wondering, because I would be in there for one presser. And then they take them away. Because I'm going to ask what I want to ask. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to censor it. I'm not going to. So, no, they're, they're not asking that, Alex. They're, they're not going to. Okay. They're not going to apply any sort. The only guy that can apply pressure, and Gamecock fans hate him, Phil Cornblue. And I, and I get some of his questions are ridiculous, but at least he's willing to apply pressure. At least he's willing to ask an uncomfortable question. So, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mean to go off on a tangent on that, but. To answer your question, Alex, no, they are not, and no, they will not. <laughs> Just put it that way. And you know what the thing is? is like there could be – there could be a very, like, reasonable explanation for that, but it's just like we're kind of left to speculate, like, especially, like, after watching last year where, you know, Vans are number one, and then all of a sudden Jaheim Bell emerges halfway through the year and it's just like a borderline unstoppable force. If you get the football in his hands, then it's like we're not featuring that, and it's just like it leaves all these – questions i don't know it's just well and i think alex to your point about the playmakers and who's touching the football and you know you saw antoine wells i think have seven catches in week one zero against georgia and and beamer made the point that you know well one week you know we're gonna have a guy get this many catches and next week we got a bunch of different guys i think you're at the point now where it's like i disagree like there are guys on your offense that need to touch the ball if you were scoring 50 a game then that would fly with me. It's like, okay, well, this week it'll be this guy, and this week it'll be that guy, and that's all fun and dandy. Everybody gets to touch the football and have a great season. But, like, right now, you need to force feed the ball to the guys that are going to be proven playmakers, like Marshawn Lloyd, uh, Juice Wells, Jaheim Bell, Jalen Brooks at this point, right? Juju McDowell. Like, these are guys, they can't go with zero touches. Like, Jaheim Bell can't have one touch. You know, I, I, I equated it to, I forget if I, 
I should have brought this up to Garcia too. Maybe I'll do it next week because we'll probably play like shit on offense again. But, <laughs> but <laughs> that's but I mean, the spirit, right? <laughs> but, no, hopefully we score fifty. And we're having a different combo. But anyways, I, I just equate it to this. I was like, just and I think we may have talked about this, but like imagine like back in twenty ten or twenty eleven or whatever, we're like. Lattimore one week has 30 carries for 180 and three touchdowns. And the next week he has like four carries. And we're like, well, you know, some weeks he's going to touch it and some weeks he's not. It's like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, what, what are you tough. talking about? He's our best player. You know, yeah. So it's, it, it, uh, yeah, it gets confusing. Uh, let me ask you this because I've talked a lot about Alex make or break game for Satterfield. What about Spencer Rattler, man? And what are your takes? I made him my MVP after the game against SCC. I thought he played well. He was efficient. Those two picks were not on him, obviously. Uh, Shane Beamer even mentioned that they made him the offensive MVP, which I would say great minds think alike there. But uh, your thoughts, I mean, you're not going to take a lot away from the South Carolina State game, right? You're just not. Thoughts on his play, though, of late and how big, how important this game is for him? I mean, I think think it's huge. It's, you know, uh, for his first – night SEC game on the road. So, I mean, it, in what is a quality opponent. And I, I don't even I, – I, I hesitate to even say he's really even played that poorly. I mean, he threw the ball well against Arkansas. He's thrown the ball well. I mean, as, as much as they've let him throw it well in the last couple of weeks, you know, those two – obviously those two interceptions were not on him. But <sighs> – I don't, I don't even know that we've seen what he can do. Like that one pass he threw against Georgia State where he was rolling out and threw like a 50-yard dime to Jalen Brooks. Like that is what I was expecting. And it's like I don't know why we're not like calling those plays or pushing the ball down the field. Like the, the stuff that I would think he would be really good at, it seems like we're not doing. And I don't know what the reason for that is. And it, but I don't think he's, I, I mean, I certainly don't think he's played lights out, but he hasn't played poorly either. Well, it's funny, Alex, you look at, I think it was his QBR. I think he's dead last in the SEC right now. In QBR. Saw that. Yep. Nope. That's a tough look. <laughs> that's a tough look. Dude, isn't it more of an indictment on Sat though? Like, you because he's, Spencer Rattler's played good football. This isn't just like a recruit that we're just, we thought would be good. Like, this is a guy who's played really good football, and, like, you have literally taken this man and destroyed him to this point. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be, like, over the top, but, I mean, I know QBR is a flawed statistic, but you don't want to be last in it. No, I mean, no, last is bad. Last um, is bad. <laughs> last is bad. Um, I, I don't know how much of that, like, well, admittedly, I don't know how to calculate QBR, but I assume a lot of it just has to do with, like, completion no, statistics, like, like touchdowns. War, it's like war in baseball, wins above replacement. Like, what does that really mean? Like, I just, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I don't know. Uh, it, you know, it, I mean, it worked at Lincoln Riley's offense. So, I mean, obviously he knows how to play football. It's just, like, you got to put him in the right position for him to be successful. And I don't know <laughs> – you move from because, and this is kind of like a weird caveat to this question. So my apologies, but it's like you go, like obviously your most talented player in high school, you're going to stick at quarterback, and like where everybody's kind of morphed that game is, you know, spread it out and throw it forty times a game. So he did that in high school. He gets to Oklahoma, doing the exact same thing in Oklahoma, or just throwing it all over the field. And it's like you've made this transition now 
to a pro-style offense, which is something he's never truly run before. And so you could see where there would be like some hesitation or some like, you know, a learning curve associated with that. At the same time, if you adjust your scheme to make it work better, that's where I would take it instead of being stubborn and sitting and like, no, this is what we're going to do. And yes, on the comments, yes, I know he did get benched at Oklahoma, but Caleb Williams is okay. I think we could all agree. Not um, a slap dick, confirmed. <laughs> no, no, he's, he'll be a Heisman finalist. Yeah, so, um, you know, I don't, it's it, it, like, I feel like there's some learning curve associated with that just because it's something you've never done. I mean, like, I, I don't think he took snaps under center at Oklahoma at all. Hmm. And so now you've, you know, you've kind of morphed into that realm where you're, you know, you're not catching the ball five yards back. You're having to drop back and kind of how all of that plays into it. It's it's just a learning curve. So some of it's that and, you know, some of it, it's too many bubble screens. Yeah. Swing pass set. Swing pass set. Now, you know what's funny, though, Alex? We, everybody, we're going to spend all week talking offense, 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 and I understand why. Big game for the defense, too. I, I, I just yeah. – you look at them – it was it was as you'd expect again against Charlotte SC State, pretty dominant but leaky at times, and uh, we we've seen against quality competition, man. The Gamecocks have struggled to stop the run, right? Over 200 yards rushing allowed against Georgia State, Arkansas, Georgia. Again, those are high quality teams, but here come the Kentucky Wildcats, and what do they do? Well, they run the football, right? They got Chris yep. Rodriguez back, and I know their offensive line has been shoddy, but if you look at the history of this series, line of scrimmage play is at a premium because they've won seven of eight against you, which I want to throw up as I say that, but they've won seven of eight against you. And in those eight, and I know it sounds obvious, but it's just they have physically whipped you at the point of attack, and the team that wins the line of scrimmage wins this football game. And more often than not, that's been Kentucky. Alex, I think you got to look for a big performance up front. I'm really excited or intrigued to see what Clayton White does to combat that Kentucky rushing attack. And, of course, They've got Will Levis, who whether you think he's overrated or not, he's a highly rated guy, and uh, you know many folks think he's a first-rounder. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting battle. That Gamecocks defense, who's not getting as much attention, uh, you're going to have to stop the run to have any shot in this one. Yeah, they're, they're going to do what Arkansas tried to do and just run it down our throat yeah. and just control the clock, keep the ball in their hands, march down the field at will on the ground, you know, and whatever you can do to combat that, right? And – it's almost like, you know, what we talked about going into the Georgia week was stacking the box and making them beat you over the top, right? And I think you saw Missouri try to do that this past weekend where they just stacked the running lanes and forced them to go through the air to beat them, which eventually they did. But I, I think you got to take kind of the same approach with Kentucky. Like, we're – like, the strongest points – I think to this point on our defense is still it's it's got to still be the secondary, right? I, I would say so. Yes. I mean, I I don't know how you could. You're certainly not going to say linebacker, and uh, yeah, I, 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 you'd have to say secondary. Yes, when fully yeah. healthy, especially which they should be this weekend. You're going to get Darius Rush back. I think David Spalding should be good to go. You're led by Cam Smith, preseason All American. Yeah, I'd say the secondary is your strength. Yeah. So I mean, that's I mean that's what I would try. That's what I would attempt to do if I was drawing up defenses in the Durs, like stack that run and make them beat you over the top. Yeah. I mean, you got to take something away. Yeah. You have to take something away. Right. If Levis 
has an, a Heisman caliber type game, I, I guess, again, you just try to tip, you just tip your cap to him. But I, I you know, it, it's back to the old adage. If you can run the football, you can stop the run. You're going to have a great chance to win. I mean, that, that is just, that's been the name of the game in this. You look at last year, Alex, which, you know, you and I, I think saw that one very realistically, gave Kentucky all the credit in that one. And, and, and I was, I think the only Gamecock content creator that had the, had the nuts to pick Kentucky to win the game. And sure enough, they did. And you look at their final result, I think they outrushed you like 240 to 58. I mean, it's just proofs in the pudding. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just, and, they've, and they've done that year after year after year after year against you. Uh, we got a question, Alex, from the crowd, if you will. A good buddy of mine, John Rice, sent this in. Spencer Rattler, as of now, do you think he's back next year? Probably. How is he twenty? Is he twenty-two? I think he's twenty-one. I think he's 22. is he twenty-one. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure he just turned. No, no. Excuse me. He just turned twenty-two. You are correct. He just turned twenty-two. I did see that because that would be was the only... last week. His birthday was the SC State game. Yeah. Okay. Just turned twenty-two. Okay. Uh, I would. I'd probably sixty-forty. He's back. Somewhere in that general vicinity, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a lock by any stretch of the imagination. But I think there, I think there's some credence to him coming back for sure. And this is as of now too. So I mean, if he plays well down the stretch, I, I could I could definitely. I mean, I think the plan all along was for him to bolt to the NFL. But certainly, yeah, I think he's going to make a bad business decision. You know, if his draft stock, I mean, if, if the season continues to go as it does, his draft stock inevitably is going to take a hit. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. already has. I mean, it already has at this point. So, um, but yeah, I think you're fair as of now. I mean, he's got a lot still to work on and develop. He does. So, but. He does. It's But I mean, I guess it, it, now it kind of wades into like, does he have the physical tools to do it? Yes. And it's just like, now you're just kind of playing that ticking clock game. So if it's, you go into a pro day or you go to the, combine or you know whichever direction he takes it and he has a good performance like he's going to push himself back into that conversation because of the potential he has so i guess it, it just depends on how the rest of the season plays out now alex speaking on kentucky um you were on the team that went there in 2008 uh we we talked and, and 2006 i guess right the uh yeah. that was the, the reverse trick, pass year yeah the trick yeah but i said the trick play game uh, I, I don't know if you want to quite go as viral as your buddy Steven Garcia did when he said that Kentucky was an easy place to play. And that, that video right now is sitting at, I think, 41,000 views, Alex, because Kentucky Nation got their hands on it. I don't know if you want to go, you know, <laughs> Steve, I mean, hey, that's that's why I have Steven on, Alex. That's one of the Listen, reasons. That's one of the Steven's Steven, got, Steven's Steven got great knows, taste. Yes, Steven knows how to make his presence felt. We'll just leave it at that. Um, no, and we love him for <laughs> it. But anyways, I, I'll just ask you your thoughts and, and your – experiences obviously Kentucky playing there has changed a lot Mark Stoops has basically changed that program but uh, just recall your two experiences again two wins so you are undefeated at Kentucky but uh, yeah two interesting games but two hard-fought games I mean that that trick play game I think I think y'all won 24 to 17 both times you were there Um, yeah but anyways what do you what do you recall from those games in Lexington um I mean it's I don't disagree with him. I mean, it's it's not. 
it's not in the it's obviously not in the realm of like you know a Sanford Stadium or Neyland or the Swamp or you know any of those places. But I mean, it's not like a it's not like a like a church that- gathering either. <laughs> like it's there's some noise there. I will tell you this: they had well, and I'm sure this has changed nine times over since I've been there. But they definitely had the nicest visiting locker rooms in the SEC. So kudos to Kentucky for that. Um, but I mean, it's. I wouldn't call it quiet, but it's just not to the level of, you know, those other top tier venues. It's, I mean, it can't be. It's not nearly as big. Even even when we're trying to be complimentary about Kentucky, it's just literally impossible. Just and, and you know what? You know what's you know what's so funny? You know what's so funny, Alex? Is like that's why I think Kentucky fans hate South Carolina so much because our fan base refuses to give them any credit, like any. Like, our fan base, still, I don't know if we're we're just so oblivious or ignorant or what we are, but we still just look at Kentucky as, like, scum of the earth. Like, you just – you are not even – they are Vanderbilt still. To most fans, they are Vanderbilt. That's how our fan base views this game. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hilarious. I mean, it's hilarious. I love it. I love it personally. Well, I mean, from a historical standpoint, I mean, certainly that's not horribly far off, but they've definitely turned a corner here to where they're a lot more competitive than they have been historically. And that makes it, it it will be a tougher environment than it has been in years past, just because they've tasted that success now, right? And so, you know, you go out there, when did they they win 10 games last year? Last year. Yeah, they've won four straight bowl games. Yeah, I mean, so you start to add that stuff up, it gets fan engagement up, you know. So it's it's definitely going to be a different environment than the one that, you know, I played in or the one that Steven played in, just because Kentucky football has come so far from that point. Um, so it'll be a different – it'll be a different scene than what we experienced for sure. I want to ask you this, Alex, before I get you out of here really quickly. I'm trying to find the the banter, the conversation, if you will. Um, let's see. Okay. Because unfair, unfair in year two. But you, you see it across college football, right? We're seeing Colorado's head coach just got fired. Scott Frost, obviously, at Nebraska got fired. Wisconsin's coach just got fired, right? And I saw some stat yesterday. I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to butcher it probably. But, like, when these coaches were fired, they all had less than three losses or less in their season when they were fired. And, got, and dude, we're, we're not even at the halfway point yet. People are getting canned, right? And so it's a very much win-now mentality across college football. Somebody brought this up, that it took Frank Beamer eight years before he got his first 10-win season at Virginia Tech. Now, we all think of – we all think of Va Tech and, and, and how – and they were fantastic, right? I mean, there's a reason he's a Hall of Famer. He's got a, a, some sort of documentary coming out on ACC Network. Like, he changed Virginia Tech football. My question to you, Alex, is this, because I know you see and you hear the commentary. And Do you fear that Shane Beamer won't get as much time as he needs? No. It, no, okay. I don't. Because, because, I mean, the, the, the result, I mean, as much as we probably, as, as like, as much as we're frustrated with where this season has gone, like, look back to where we were two years ago, or three years ago. You go four and eight and two and eight. Like, and then the first year, you're winning a bowl game. You're climbing up recruiting rankings. Like, those pieces are coming into the fold now. 
it's just we, you you just got to keep developing. It just takes it takes time. I mean, like you you had a pretty hard fall off there from where we were from 2011 to 2013, and that bottomed out <laughs> with a loss to the Citadel. Um, and then you know you tried to get that engine going back the other direction with with the wrong conductor and you just kind of set yourself back. So you've got to build that back into the pipeline. And I, I think he is absolutely doing those things. It's unfortunate that it's, you know, cropped up that, you know, you know, who is he surrounding himself with to get us there? But I, no, I don't think he's in any danger of getting run out of town early. I, and I know it feels like a silly question, Alex, but it's just the nature of college football and, and coaches are getting – it's kind of like people make up their mind after year three. I mean, coaches are just not getting six, seven, eight years anymore to get it going. So, I, I do agree. Well, I mean, I mean, Scott Frost was – I mean, I don't even – they never even made a bowl game, did they? No. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, he got into year five. So, I mean, he, he was their must Yeah. Basically. He was their must champ, basically. Granted, must champ yeah. success, which is – pretty sad so um, still stunned that didn't work <laughs> like it, he was so good at UCF I don't what, what, I don't know. yeah I don't know um but yeah so I mean it, it's I you know I know it feels like a crazy question but it's just with the nature of college football and I I guess it's because of the money numbers and the transfer portal and the pressures inside I I will say though number one the beauty of this is that if South Carolina beats Kentucky, we're just having a totally different combo going in the bye week and all hope is restored. And we're looking at things from a glass half full perspective. And, you know, you could win this. Look how bad A&M looks. You could win this. You know, I mean, Carolina could be sitting here five and two in three weeks. I mean, you just never know. College football no, I mean, but that's, that, that's yeah. a legit thing because yeah. like who on your, like who left on the schedule is unbeatable. I mean, I, I'd say, you know, Clemson, obviously, unfortunately, it looks like they've got, they're going to have a typical year. I mean, Tennessee's still kind of a mystery. I think they're a good football team, but they're still kind of a mystery. I mean, outside of that, everybody else is very beatable. So yeah, I mean, exactly. And so it's like that the narrative change with a win in Kentucky is gigantic for momentum going forward. Oh, yeah. Because, like, Texas A&M, certainly they are not world beaters. Um, Missouri's not. Vandy's not. And then you've got, you know, Florida is what it is. Right? Yeah. It's a very Jekyll and Hyde situation for them right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hope is restored, to your point, if you can pull this one out. Yeah, a lot of football left. A lot can happen, but it's got to start Saturday. It has to start Saturday with a win in Lexington. Marcus Satterfield's got to be – I don't know if we should – somebody go tie him up and leave him back in Columbia and we'll get justice <laughs> to call. I, I don't know. I don't know. Let's go find – leave him behind. Just leave him behind. I don't, I don't know. Speaking of coaches being left behind, what, what happened to Greg Atkins? Uh, health issues, supposedly. I mean, not supposedly. Health issues. Health issues. So Is he back? Uh, Beamer said that Sunday he had no update. I'd imagine they're going to ask him that today. Um, Lonnie Teasley, who is a GA. You know, I say he's a GA, but he's coached in a couple places before. But he is a GA, but uh, or whatever he is. Anyways, he, he's, he's the fill-in O-line coach. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I think Atkins, this is like not even football related. I, I think it's probably time to, to hang it up. If you're second straight year dealing with health issues. So I, we'll see. I mean, I, obviously you just hope he's okay, but, uh, yeah, it's came out the day of the SC state game that he wasn't with the team. So 
Uh, yeah, again, I saw I'm, that. I'm sure, I'm sure Beamer will address that today. I, I'd imagine he'll have to. So, yeah. Now, if we could get him to address the lack of touches for Jaheim Bell. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I, I, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who in the world in that, in that room would ask that. Either way, Alex, it's always a pleasure, <laughs> my guy. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for doing it. And we'll, uh, we'll talk next week, same time. All right. Sounds good, buddy. All right, man. Take care. Great stuff. Alex McGrath, always a pleasure to chat with him. Uh, guys, we are going to jump into a quick break, but I want to continue to hear from you more, your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Let's jump back into the text lines. I appreciate Alex McGrath, by the way, for jumping on. Always a pleasure to chat with him. Let's see. Jesse says, do you think if Sat doesn't work out and we let him go, Dan Mullen or Scott Frost should be the first we contact your thoughts? I'm going to wait, Jesse, until we actually have an opening to project who the next OC should be and who we should be calling. Let me just say that. But I don't think either one of those guys would come to Columbia. I, I wouldn't be holding my breath. We'll put it that way. Let's jump to – let's see. Let's, let's jump back on the TDC Questions channel. Greg Bedinger says, good question. Been saying the game's overhyped. We're likely to lose the UK, but a win would be a total season changer. Corn Blue's from my hometown. He's a Carolina grad. Most people don't realize that. Yeah, here's the funny thing, Greg. I actually had Corn Blue on the show last year. And uh, he's a good dude. I, I think Phil gets sort of a bad rap. You know, listen, he asks questions that make people uncomfortable. He, he asks questions that are not slanted with a with a garnet and black viewpoint he he asked just real questions I, now, now sometimes but i respect what he does to accept. robert davis what's up man how are you i'm doing fantastic just finishing up my lunch how are you doing on this Thursday? i'm doing fantastic man doing well appreciate you calling in one of the main things that I want to see, okay, Saturday night, yes, is a consistency of mixing it, of mixing it up on offense. Run it whenever they're expecting you to, or, or pass it when they're expecting you to run it. Mix it up. Get them confused. And make, and make their corners and safeties have to cover our guys. And for the love of God, if it hits you in the hand, touch it. Okay. Yes, Robbie, I would agree that we need to be balanced. No question. We, we need to be balanced. No doubt. Uh, I think that's what we all want to see more of is balance. Um, you know, I, I don't expect to be able to run the football at will the way you have. Doesn't mean you just have to completely mm -hmm. scrap it. However, I will say, you know, I, I made this point last year, and I will say this yet again. You know, I believe one of the great, you know, 
one of the great traits of our one of the traits of great entrepreneurs is they fail fast. You're going to fail, right? You're going to fail inevitably, uh-huh. but to fail fast and learn from your failures, failures quickly. So listen, I, I think you need to try yeah. to be balanced around the football. If you cannot run it and, and you know that you're going to have to get creative and do a little bit more, do it. Fail fast, learn quickly, you know, put together a plan that's going to work and execute on it, bottom line. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's just not good enough right. to not be able to run the ball and say, well, you know, our offense just depends on running the ball. If we can't run it, we're just – we're screwed. Well, you still got to find a way to move right. it. I mean, that's why I said in the uh, over the summer that the offensive line not being good is not an excuse for Satterfield mm-hmm. this year because you knew that all summer and all preseason that there was potential that the offensive line wasn't going to be good. I mean, you know football. You know that. You can look at the O-line and say, you know, if you're Marcus Satterfield and say, hmm, this offensive line isn't going to be that great. So you're going to have to scheme around it. You're going to have to. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the problems with not, not – now, I'm not saying all OCs are like this, but some OCs are just set in their ways, okay, and are not willing to to make adjustments. And I feel like at this point in the, in the season, Satterfield is set in his ways, and he's going to do what he's always done. And he's not going to try to figure out the best and easiest way for us to move the football, and he's not going to adjust the offense to help with what we have on offense. And I'm not saying that we don't have weapons, because we do. Okay, but you've got to adjust the offense to the weapons that you have. And that goes for any football team, rather if it's the Charlotte 49ers or the South Carolina State Bulldogs. You have to adjust your your, your, your game plan, even on defense. You've got, you got to do it on defense, too. You've got to adjust your game plan for the players that you have. Because some years, we're not going to have the athletes that we do have right now. Yeah, that, that's that's very true. I, I think that's what's most frustrating is people feel like we have, we have the most athletes we've had since 2013, 2014, and it's, it's just not panning out. And I still believe, just like you, this this come this week is going to be make it or or break make or break for Satterfield. And if I'm lucky, I'll only I'll only miss the first half Saturday. And my dad has a show Friday, I believe, in Cottageville. I don't even know if you know where Cottageville is. I, I can't say I know but, where uh, Cott- Cottageville is, my guy. It's over. Do you know where Walterboro is? Kinda, yeah. I, I couldn't tell you how to get there, but I've heard it's of it. It's over in that. It's over. It's over. It's over near there. It's over by Walterboro. It ain't far from Walterboro, but anywho, yeah, he's got a show this weekend, um, and. 
I don't know what kind of a runner the Kentucky quarterback is. Okay, I don't know if he's a good runner. I don't know if he's a great runner. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, but regardless, even if the, even if he was one, even if he was like Colin Hill, a freaking sitting duck in the in the backfield. Okay, I would put pressure on him every damn every freaking second. He's gonna have somebody. In a in a white uniform and whatever colored pants we're wearing Saturday, he's gonna have somebody in his grill all day long. Okay. And I would honestly, I would stack the box and make them beat you passing the ball. I think that's what you have to do. Yeah, you, you you can't let Kentucky run it down your throat. I, I feel like we're kind of having the the same conversation we had about uh, we had about Arkansas a little <laughs> bit. So I, you know, it's uh, I, I look at Kentucky as like a not as good a version of Arkansas, but still they're gonna you know, mm-hmm. and they obviously don't have a quarterback like KJ Jefferson, but Will Levis is a really capable player. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you're gonna have mm-hmm. to if you don't stop the run, you don't have a chance. So if you don't if you don't stop the run, you don't have a chance for sure, for sure. So, um, right, yeah. I, I, but, uh, I you know, if will if Will Levis goes off and has a night, so be it. But but you got to stop the run, Robbie. Uh, everybody, be sure to check out what Wal uh, no Walterboro, not Walterboro. Where where is it again? Where, where's your your dad's show? Cottageville. Again? Cottageville. Oh, Cottageville. Over there, you can go see Mom and them. Go, go with Mama and them. See Uncle Boudreaux. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Cottageville, yeah. Middle, of, middle of nowhere. Uh, anyways. And then, of course, like I yeah. said, like, and also, like I said, I'll give you my prediction Thursday. That's the earliest Wednesday. Robbie, everyone tomorrow. Actually. Everyone on the Daily Crow is counting down the seconds till your prediction drops. <laughs> I'm just gonna it might not be pretty, okay? It might not. Hey, or it might be. Don't, don't put lipstick on a pig, man. Just give it. Just give it to as how it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you have. Anyways, uh, I hope you and everyone else has a fantastic uh, rest of your week. And you and like I said the other day, have a great safe trip to uh, North Augusta for your sister's wedding. And to Thomas Walker. Okay, I was at the game Thursday night, cheering my lungs out. Okay. I was there, going crazy, acting a fool. Yeah, I was there. Love that. Love but, that. Uh, you the man, Robbie. You the man. Yeah. There's only one of you. That's for sure. But stay safe and leave the dumb stuff to me as always. Beautiful. Robbie Davis, appreciate you, my guy. Take care. Have a good one. Y'all go check out Yonka Boudreaux in Cottageville, wherever the hell that is. I wouldn't have even known Cottageville was a place. If he wouldn't have told me. Uh, anyways, eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven guys. If you'd like to call back in, we had a eight six four number that was trying to trying to get in the airwaves. If you'd like to call back in, you're more than welcome. Um, you're more than welcome to do so. The phone lines are indeed open. We are taking we are taking your calls up until one thirty. And guys, we will not have a break uh, before then. I dig music. What's up, man? How are you? 
Yeah, man. I uh, just going to talk about the uh, offensive coordinator and O-line mm-hmm. situation. Um, I know it's a little premature, to, and I'm not going to ask you to name names or anything for, like you said earlier, about offensive coordinator positions, but I have to think that if they go with a new OC or they go with a new O-line coach, I have to think that that's going to be a package deal. Like, I have to think if one goes, they're both gone. Mm-hmm. Because those two guys have to be on such a same page. They have to have, they have to, you know, they're both pro style guys. Satterfield and uh, Atkins are both pro style guys. So, you know, what are you going to bring in? Let's say you bring in a guy like Brent Keyes, who, you know, they said Beamer wanted him originally, but he went to George Tech or whatever. He was at Alabama. You bring him in, if his scheme doesn't align with Satterfield, it's not going to amount to a hill of beans, you know, because we're going to be running the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So you bring in a guy who's a zone scheme and we're better at gap scheme stuff, just like now, is it going to make a difference, you know? It's like, you know, so I think if they, I, I think they either don't get rid of anybody or they get rid of both. And I think that's probably what we're going to see because I just don't see this improving. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with your first point you make, and it might, might be the most simple, but it's true. I mean, if your O-line coach and your OC aren't on the same page, you're uh, – yeah, <laughs> you're going to be hurting for sure. So they better be on the same page in regards to what the goals are for the offense and what you want to do and, and how you want to play. Um, you know, I, I – I would say it doesn't have to be true. Like, let's just say the offense has this huge turnaround and Satterfield all of a sudden is, you know, oh, bring him back for sure. You know, he showed improvement, blah, 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 whatever. I mean, you'd have to go out and get an O-line coach. Let's assume Atkins didn't come back. Go get somebody who shares, you know, obviously the same philosophies that a Marcus Satterfield would and it would fit into his offense. I don't think that would be an impossible task. Um, But, yeah, I would agree with you if, if you change OCs. I mean, I think the OC is going to come in and probably pick and choose which position coaches he wants to keep, right? I mean, because um, those are, you know, he he's sort of – he's the head coach of the Beamer position coaches. Them. Right. But Beamer's going to have say. But I'm just saying, like, you know, I mean, if that yeah. if that OC is like, hey, man, I, I got this – Yeah, it's like I got this running back coach. I, re- step, I think that's the guy you got to keep. But, but um, it's just like the – there's going to be growing pains regardless. Mm. That's why I say to some extent, I think Beamer wants to keep some continuity because, you know, we've had so many coordinators over the last few years, just in and out, two years, three years. We saw that under Muschamp. It's like, if we pull the court on this in year two, what happens in year four when we're two years in and, and there's still no continuity and we're still trying to keep this young, it's going to be a whole young line at that point. And we're still teaching them how to, you know, run zone schemes and stuff, and they're they're better at gap scheme or, or whatever. And I don't know why it has to be one or the other. I don't know why we can't continue to run both or just run what we're good at. But, uh, you know, anyway, but, but I don't know. I just think – I think we're going to end up seeing both of those guys gone. And uh, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, you, you, know, you to we, your point, you want continuity, but I, I really do believe that uh, – and I hate to say this, right? Because you, you know you're you're still so we're so early in the Beamer tenure. And listen, I'm I'm in this thing for the long haul. But uh, right. if you're porous offensively and you bring Satterfield back next year, it, it's it's career suicide, dude. It's it's career suicide. 
Because when you when you look at it, when you look at it in the sense of Beamer's in a great position right now. People are blaming Sat. They're not blaming him yet. They're blaming Sat. But over time, right? Over time, if 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 you didn't show a willingness to to change and to evolve and to make a tough decision, right? That blame is going to shift from him to all of a sudden it's going to go up the chain, right? It's just like anything else in life. It's going to go up the chain to, well, Dan, yeah, I mean, I think about it. Will Muschamp, yeah. Will Muschamp didn't yeah. start out as, you know, it, it, like it wasn't his fault, right, when he first took over at Florida and the offense done, well, the OC sucks. Then he got another OC. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe they gave him the benefit of the doubt again. But at some point, then you're you're building your reputation, you're building your brand, and it's like that's what you become known for. Now we know Will Muschamp, of destroyer of quarterbacks, destroyer of of offenses. Like that's the last thing, obviously, that Shane Beamer wants his rep to be. He doesn't want his brand to be that, right? So, I, I understand the continuity thing, but if it doesn't work this year. Like, am I saying that Shane Beamer's got to make a firing middle that's of the season? Why, I'm not saying that, but, like, it can't go past this year, I don't think. Well, that's why Beamer gets paid the big money. Cause right. That's, right. that's an, an extremely tough decision to make on yeah. his part. And I know I know he's got to be worried about it because it, it could be a lose-lose situation either way. And it's like, you know, on one hand, you know, you want to see where this thing goes, but after this season, you really wanted to see improvement this season because after this year, not just Rattler, but the O-line situation takes a whole different turn. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, bringing in all these new recruits, all these good O-line recruits, I think bringing in a new O-line coach with those guys is could be a good thing, personally. Yeah. I mean, just I think that could be a good thing, just, just a whole new foundation with that, that group. They grow into some new coaching, a new coach. And, and in my mind, I think Satterfield stays. You know, we'll see what happens. But um, I don't know. In my mind, I think there's a stronger possibility that the O-line coach goes and Sat stays. Mm-hmm. But I know fans are just going to absolutely – there's just people who are already off the Sat train. They've been off the Sat train for a year already. So, yeah. And you're not going to get them back. So. Yeah. I mean, for, for, a, for a, large, a large portion of the fan base had Satterfield – guilty before the season even started so all all that happened was you know the mayo bowl happened and it quieted because i mean you're just an asshole right if you're complaining after winning a game like that right so it quieted the satterfield chatter but it was still there it never went away it never went away so you know i i I just I i don't know man i you know it's, I guess it's frustrating because you don't feel like you're going to have more talent offensively next year than you have this year. That's what's tough, too. So, Well, we'll but, see, man. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to hang up and listen. Yeah, man. I appreciate the call. Thanks so much, man. I dig music. Fantastic call and fantastic points. And, yeah, listen, that is why Shane Beamer gets paid the big bucks. But I, I, I do believe that if it doesn't work, and I, I've already told you guys how my feelings on the Kentucky game, and this, this, is, the, this is the crossroads. This is the game. It, it'll be career suicide if Shane Beamer brings him back. It, it really will. And, again, I'm not trying to over-exaggerate, but it's just perception's everything. And if he were to bring back Marcus Satterford after you finish – and, and by, by the way, I want to point this out because because Lady Bree and even some others have pointed out the offensive numbers and, and what the numbers and, – and I, and I totally get it. 
I mean, we just played Charlotte and SC State. I, 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 and he, here's the thing. Like, just throw those games out. Hey, we might go score 35 on Kentucky, and, and we're having a totally different convo. That's what I hope happens. God, I, I like, <sighs> trust me, that's what I want to happen. You know, there's some people out there that think I feed off of bad things happening to USC and calling for coaches' jobs. And, bro, I just call it as I see it. I don't feed off of that. I want us to win. I'm a fan, and guess what, guys? I'm here to spoil it for you. I'm here to spoil the news. Business does better when we win. We sell more merch. Views are up. Everything goes up when we win. Everything. So I'm not in the business of, oh, God, I hope Carolina loses so I can come on Monday and bitch about it all week. Like That's not where I'm at. I hope we're having a different combo, but the reality right now is this. Take away Charlotte and SC State. Those games don't matter. Against half-decent quality competition and then half-decent competition, which one in four, one in four, right, Georgia State, you scored 14 offensive points against them. I'm going to skip Arkansas. You you got dismantled by Georgia. And Georgia's Georgia. Give them credit. Arkansas, you want to feel good about that game. They've got the worst pass defense in college football, damn near. So, you just don't have a lot to hang your hat on right now. I mean, again, what are you going to hang your hat on? The fact you score 50 on Georgia, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, freaking SC State and Charlotte? Lady Bree, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I understand. I understand what you're saying, Lady Bree. I'm not telling you that Kentucky's still overrated. Kentucky's overrated. Kentucky's overrated. I think it's interesting in this game, a lot of... Let's turn up the phone lines here. Call from... Brian Lattimore. Brian, what's up, man? How are you? Good, man. How are you doing? I am doing well. Just, uh, just chilling. We got Beamer in... Ten minutes, by the way, just to give you a uh, just an idea on time. But yeah, go ahead. Yep, I'll make it semi quick. So uh, obviously, our offense sucks. Marcus Satterfield sucks. Kentucky sucks. Yeah, I think we <laughs> we talked about all that enough today. I mean, it really, um, really, college football in, in a in a nutshell is <laughs> is Georgia and Al- Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State are all elite, and everybody else just sucks. <laughs> Everybody else is sick. Hey, everybody everybody sucks. Why not? Everybody sucks. I'm not, not even, even going to give Clemson the benefit of the doubt. They suck, too. You know what? Everybody sucks. <laughs> Who sucks the least is well, what we're all battling there. for. Well, hey, with, uh, with your permission, we're going to go off the script for a few minutes. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. All right, so we're going to go rewind real quick. So I've been going back and forth with uh, Suther and, and the, the general chat on the Bitcoin Bitcoin Discord, and uh, we've been talking about Debo. You know, he played last night, and he was killing it for the uh, 49ers, you know, just dragging people up and down the field. I don't know if you watched that game, but mm. it's just amazing to watch that guy play. But, uh, you know, we were just basically talking about, you know, his potential. You know, and, and I truly believe that Debo had Heisman written all over him, given the chance. If he could have stayed healthy, Debo was a hell of a player. You know, especially I look back at that 2017 season. We finished 9-4. and four. Debo got hurt in, like, the third or fourth game. Like, Imagine if we had Debo that whole season. Now, I, w- I want to throw some stats at you. I want to get your take on this. 
Debo had almost 500 all-purpose yards in three games, six total touchdowns. You know, that's receiving, rushing, and kick return. Do you think if he didn't break his leg against Kentucky that he would have been in the, the Heisman race? And some names I'm going to throw out at you, and you're obviously big names. Baker Mayfield was in that, that same year. Lamar Jackson. Um, can't remember the other guy. I think there's another running back, but I don't think you know. Those are the two big names, obviously, he would have been competing with. I want to get your take. You know, if he stays healthy, obviously we don't know if he could have stayed and kept that that same momentum. But do you think he's in that conversation? If he continues at the pace that he was at, yeah. I mean, yeah, at that pace he was at. I mean, granted, would he have done that every week? Probably not. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Um, and what's crazy about that season, that is the season that we won nine games, isn't it? Won the Outback Bowl when he got hurt. Nuts when you think yeah. about that. I mean, like, do I think he would have had a caliber of a season where we would have been lobbying for him to be a Heisman contender, finalist, whatever? Yes. I, I think a lot of the Heisman trophy comes down to being the best player on the best team. Like, if your team is not elite, you practically have no chance. Um so, you know, I, I don't know. But, I mean, I, I, I know that I, I saw you and Justin's conversation in the Discord, by the way. So, I, I know this is like a hot topic of combo. But he was a Heisman caliber player. I'll just say that. He was a Heisman caliber player. So, why not? You know, if he would have kept on that pace. If he would have kept on that pace and stayed healthy, I mean, why not? I mean, especially on the special team side. That's really what was separating him from everybody else. All right, so question, you know, we went nine and four without him. He stays healthy. I mean, are we in the elite category? Do you think we win more than nine games? We lost to Kentucky. Yeah. We lost to you know, Texas A&M. We lost to Georgia. That's, yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. I mean uh, – And we lost to Clemson. And Clemson was the biggest, the biggest you know, margin of victory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that, Every that's, other game was with one touchdown. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, maybe. Maybe. We'll, we'll never know. But uh, – I mean, again, if he would have kept up the pace he was on, then, yeah, I think he would have been in the conversation. I don't know if he'd have been a finalist, but I think he'd have been in the conversation. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's a hot take to say that, you know, Debo is probably I'd, – I'd easily say top five of the most dominant players we've ever seen in a Gamecocks uniform. Yeah. He I mean, might be able to make the argument top three, but, you, he, know, I just, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's tough. But top yeah. five for sure. Yeah, I mean, he he was dynamic, no doubt, no doubt. If he did, I mean, it's a shame, you know, the injuries or whatever hit him because we're definitely seeing it now in the NFL. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I you know, I, I completely understand, you know, where Justin was coming from. You know, we weren't really an elite team. That's that's generally where the, the Heismans go. You know, whoever is the best player on the best team. I, you know, I get that point. It just sucks whenever you look back at our history and it's like, we're one injury away from having an elite team in mm -hmm. multiple years. You know what I mean? And I don't know that that 2017 team was elite, even with Debo as at full capacity. And we had problems, right? I and mean, we weren't a perfect team by any means. Mm -hmm. You know, you just look back at some of those games that we lost, and it's like, you know, those are winnable games. <laughs> so, what could have been, you know? And we might still have with Will Muschamp as our coach. <laughs> well, then I say everything happens for a reason, my man. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> All right, man. I'll let you go back to talking about Marcus Satterfield sucking. Uh, we'll 
watch the Beamer conference afterwards. Death taxes and Marcus Satterfield sucking. Indeed, my friend. Hey, Brian, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> Always a pleasure chat with you. All right, man. Later. Hey, man. Take care. Great stuff. Great stuff from our guy, Brian Lattimore. Um, had a buddy of mine. I don't. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's going to call me a buddy after this, but uh, had a guy text me. Haven't heard anyone say we finally won two games we should have and didn't play down to our competition. My response: Do you want a medal for beating Charlotte and South Carolina State? I don't know if he liked that response a whole lot. So, hey, it's all in love. I, I just, you know, I mean, listen, I, I, I've given credit. I've given credit where credit was due. We we played well. We executed. We did some good things. But I'm I'm not going to be beating my chest touting anything about you know coming off a of Charlotte and SC State. I mean, good job. You did what you should have done. Good job. Good job. This season was never about beating Charlotte and SC State. When we broke down the season in wins, toss-ups, and losses, those were kicked in the win bucket without even a thought. They were, they were wins. What, do you want me to pat you on the butt for, for beating those teams? I had much bigger aspirations and higher expectations than beating them teams. Hey, I'm not saying don't celebrate the victories. Celebrate victories when you get them. No matter how big or small, but hey, we won those. Now it's Tuesday at Kentucky Week. It's time to focus on the Cavs. Guys, again, we will talk gambling on the podcast tomorrow and also Shane Members Tuesday presser comments, and we have a great conversation. Great podcast that will drop tomorrow. Uh, Let's see. Guys, let me say this. If you're in the Big Cock Club Discord and you're commenting and you want something answered, answer it in the big uh, the TDC Questions channel. Makes it much easier for me to find. Our guy, Luke RJ, said, what if we only win one more game and finish the season with four wins? Uh, <laughs> that ain't Beamer Ball. Um... What if? I mean, Luke RJ, it would be a, an abysmal season. I mean, I said it all summer that even five, like five and seven would be a massive failure. There's no way to spin it. There's just no way to spin it. Um, Let's see. Robbie Davis. <laughs> let's jump to the phone lines here. Hunter, what's up, man? You got about two minutes before Shane Bieber jumps on. What's up? Yeah, you're fine. Um, so I have a question. Uh, it's yeah. just one question. Uh, so say say hypothetically we beat Kentucky this weekend. Yes. Um, will, will we be ranked at all? No, no, I, I don't know. I, I think it'll take more than a one win over Kentucky to to be in the top twenty-five. No, I'd, it'll be a great win. It'll be a great win, but yeah, no, yeah, I, for I, don't, sure. I, don't, yeah I don't, I don't think it'll vault us in the top twenty-five. Yeah, I, I, figured, I figured that, you know, we'll be ranked just because we beat the, you know, obviously a top 17 and at their own home home game. So, I just figured if we would be ranked or not. So, yeah, I just I, don't know how many games we would be in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we might get some votes, but I think the voters would probably wait and see, okay, was it a fluke or can they follow it up and, you know, beat Texas A&M and South Carolina can show, okay, you know, they – they have arrived, quote unquote. Yeah, I, I don't know if you heard. Uh, I don't. Yeah, Texas A&M isn't ranked no more, so I don't know if that matters at all. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just I just think, though, it would show that, like, hey, that wasn't just like a one-off fluke game. South Carolina's actually legit, so – or whatever. But, you right. know, top 25 or not, I just would love to beat Kentucky. So, I, you know, yeah, be huge. Yeah, you know, no, that's all I need. I guess I would just uh, let you go. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for the call, Hunter. Yep. Great stuff. Appreciate Hunter calling in. Uh, guys, we're going to go ahead and close at the phone lines. We got Shane Beamer coming on in about a minute. Let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. I think we also have a text I could get in real quick. Yes. Okay. Uh, somebody texted in, what do you think about using both quarterbacks to mix it up a little? Or would that be counterproductive? Counterproductive. I, 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 you got two quarterbacks, you got zero. I uh, got another text here from, I don't know who this is from. Has anybody seen the new episode of Gamecock Football with Coach Beamer? The Montario Hardesty segment shows you a glimpse of how complicated the offense is just for the running backs. Imagine how hard it is for the rest of the offense. I haven't watched it yet, but I actually, that's the second time I've heard that. That's the second time that I've heard that. So, again, guys, we are waiting for Shane Beamer. Uh, the video has not started yet. So, waiting on Shane Beamer. Again, guys, like I reminded you, just just be aware, be heads up that when you call in, when you call in, ooh, excuse me, I do have the power to, you know, if we want to jump from one one topic to another, one call from another, hit the hang up button and keep it moving. It's nothing personal, obviously. It's just you know when you're trying to go topic to topic to topic and get as many calls in as possible, right? So don't take it personally if it happens. Um. But I appreciate all the callers, though. Sincerely, guys. Sincerely. You know, I had some feedback yesterday about the Daily Crow and the calls and, and the, and the uh, you know, just people calling in. And, and listen, the entire point of this show is for the callers, right? I ramble on the podcast. If you want to hear me ramble, I do that on the podcast, on the Spurs Up Show podcast under that name. The entire point of this is to have banter. That's the entire point. The beauty is truly in the banter. Luke RJ says, Chris, what percentage do you give us to beat Kentucky? Oh, Shane Beamer's live. Um, 50%. All right, let's jump into Beamer. Everybody, but uh, nobody other than the guys that, you know, have previously been announced as season ending that I could sit here and say definitely aren't playing on, on Saturday and hope to have everybody as full strength as possible. Uh, yeah, Coach, ACC Network just put out the thing with uh, – it was a Frank Beamer mm -hmm. special. I saw that you were part of that. Obviously, you, you know, said a lot about, you know, adopting some of his philosophies and stuff, but how – how did it come together to where you were a part of that? And just what do you think about the ACC network putting that together? I was, I thought they did a great job. I didn't get to see it when it came on last night. I recorded it and, and watched it when I got home uh, late last night. But um, had a lot of people reach out to me, and I thought they did a great job with it uh, in regards to me being a part of it. Um, they called and asked if I'd be, sit down and interview. <laughs> so I uh, appreciate them asking me to be a part of it. It was great to see so many of his uh, former players on that special uh, made me really, really proud as a son uh, to watch it uh, last night and thought they did a great job of, of uh, telling that story and certainly appreciative of the ACC network uh, considering him a legend and the ACC considering him a legend and then putting that together. It was pretty cool to see some of the old footage and uh, me back when I was in eighth grade, you know, carrying the, the headphone cords on the sideline uh, as well. My son saw it. He says he wants to be that guy now, and I had to tell him that they're all cordless now, so there are no more cords <laughs> anymore. So he was shook when he heard that, but we'll figure out a job for him as he gets older. 
Hey, Shane, uh, the fans seem to have this one circled for a while now, whether it's, you know, the comments from Mark Stoops in the offseason or, you know, losing seven out of the last eight to Kentucky. Do you, do you guys feel that, too, that this one seems to be a little bit more important? Um, you know, it's they're all important. That's not coach speak. I mean, it's anytime you get back in the SEC, it's uh, it's critical as well. Um and we've got great respect for their program. And, and this is a game that was a big game when I was here before. I mean, I remember, I think I talked about it a couple last week, was the Kentucky coming in here nationally ranked on a Thursday night and us winning. And then all you guys that were here remember, I mean, we beat Alabama. They were number one in the country. And then I'm still having visions of Randall Cobb on, on fourth down or whatever it was uh, on a game-winning touchdown pass. So, I mean, this game's always been competitive. And, and I think it's two programs that have a lot of respect, you know, for each other. And it's certainly a critical game for us. It's the next one on the schedule. And, and um, you know, we had a heck of a game with them last year and couldn't quite uh, finish and, and get over the hump and, and win that game. And uh, I know our guys are excited for the challenge this week. Is there a way to get Hunter an uh, extension cord on the sidelines? And have him <laughs> I'm sure there is. He'll come up with it if yeah. there uh, if there is. He's uh, he he'll, he'll figure it out. I guess. And going into the year, we talked a lot about this team needing to play better away from home. Mm-hmm. Now that you've had these three home games, do you feel a little bit more comfortable taking this team on the road? And what does a good road team look like? What is a team that plays well on the road? Yeah, you know, I know we didn't play great at Arkansas, but I told the guys this morning, and I believe it. I mean, I um, I felt very confident about our ability to go on the road by going to Arkansas. To me, a great road team is they're able to respond to adversity and um, and not flinch and just get stronger. And we didn't get off to a great start at Arkansas. There's no doubt about it. We were down 21-3. to three. But I think a team that's not built to handle the road gets blown out of that game you know we battled back and made it 21 to 16 in the third quarter and then we didn't lose the game to Arkansas because we were on the road or because we couldn't handle the environment we lost to Arkansas because we couldn't stop the run and we turned the ball over three times in the fourth quarter you know so what we need to do is is embrace going on the road as a competitor you love going into another stadium and I'm sure it'll be rocking up there on Saturday night as it should be and then we've got a we've just got to do what we talk about doing uh, that helps us win football games, running the ball and stopping the run and creating turnovers and playing smart football and winning the fourth quarter and, and uh, winning the explosive play battle. You know, do that and, and play well. But um, I feel like we've, we're a mature team that has handled that. We showed some maturity last week handling the short week, and it's going to be critical for us to, to be mature, resilient, composed, uh, physical, all that stuff in order to, to win on the road. Shane, with what Coach Stoops has done there at Kentucky since he's been there uh, with, you know, the gradual talent upgrades and the support he's gotten from the university, how does that compare with some of the better examples you've seen of how to build a program um, in Power Five? Yeah, it's right up there uh, for sure. Um, You know, uh, uh, what did he win? Two games his first year and I think five his second year. So, he, he won two games his first year. He won five his second year. And then he just continued to just build that. And it shows that it, you know, it, 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 it takes some time. And uh, the administration gave him the resources. And, um, and he's done a great job, you know. And just thinking of it, um, I'm biased. I think my dad, you know, is right up there at the top. Certainly Coach Snyder at Kansas State. And, and um, you know, just trying to think of him. It's, it's, 
it's uh it's good you know in a in a program that I mean I lived in the state of Kentucky for eight years I guess when my dad was the head coach at Murray State so I mean I grew up remembering I think I may have mentioned this last year kids coming in the school and having show and tell from going to see the Kentucky basketball team and Mel Turpin and Kenny Skywalker and all these guys on an away game and and uh that was like show and tell at Southwest Elementary School in Murray, Kentucky. So, I mean, I feel like I've got a lot of familiarity with Kentucky football. And Pookie Jones that played there back in the day was from Murray, Kentucky. And and uh, so I'm very familiar with the program. And I've, I don't want to say I watched it as, a, as I was growing up, but living in that state, uh, you've, you understand how important UK athletics is in the state, you know, along with Louisville. And, and it's a proud program with a great fan base and great um, support. Uh, and they've continued to just elevate their their program. And they've just got, to me, Gene, they've got great just consistency, you know. And I, the team, like, with these guys, you have to you have to beat them, you know. I mean, they, they get games in the fourth quarter, and they find ways to win it. And the same like Ole Miss the other day, I mean, they just kept chipping away. And next thing you know, they're in the fourth quarter with a chance to win the game with under a minute left. Uh, so you got to go beat them. Coach Stoops has done a great job elevating it and, and really impressed with just uh, – you know, the way they play, and they've got really good players. I mean, you look at last year's team, I mean, there's a bunch of guys that that I think are on NFL rosters right now, and there's a bunch of guys on their team this year that will be on NFL rosters also. Sort of going off of Colin's question, but it's been a few weeks since, you know, the team's gone on the road. I heard the sound blasting at practice. Just what kind of things do you try to do to get a team re-prepared for, for an away game like this? Yeah, certainly crowd noise is an issue that you don't have to worry about so much at home. Uh, and that's not just offense. That's when you're on special teams as well. Like when we punt and the communication you got to have with the punt team out there and preparing for that crowd noise uh to be honest with you though not a not a lot i mean we play the music in certain parts of practice uh whether we're playing at home or away you know the one thing that we do differently is on thursdays in practice we'll we'll utilize crowd noise a little bit more in the team periods with the offense and things like that just so we have to communicate punt team we did a little bit today uh, if you heard it towards the end of practice, it would have been when we were kicking field goals. You know, we do that home or away just to try and, you know, make things difficult on the kickers and just create uh, more pressure. But we try and keep the routine the uh, the same. You know, our schedule on Friday uh, will be the exact same as what it is for a home game. Otherwise, other than just instead of getting on a bus to go to a hotel, we got to get on a bus to get on an airplane, you know, but the schedule's the same on game day as well. And, and try and not, not make it, um, not make it bigger than it is doing what we have to do to just go play well and coach well. And that's the most important thing. Hey, Shane. Hey. Um, the, this back half of the schedule mm -hmm. is pretty tough <laughs> compared to that first half. You're coming off of two dominant wins. How much does this game feel like kind of a tone setter as you guys enter that, you know, more difficult SEC heavy backstretch here? Yeah, um, you know, it's the next one. And certainly if we were fortunate enough to be able to win this game, it would make the uh, off week coming up a lot more enjoyable, you know, for sure. And certainly whenever you you win, just like the last two weeks, it, it, it creates momentum that you want to be able to, you know, continue. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the, we don't want to make it bigger than what it is. It's the next one. It's the next opportunity for us to continue to get better as a football team. 
Uh, not that I want to have the same result that we had last year before the off week, but the last year before the off week, we went out there and played awful against Texas A&M and then came back the very next week and beat Florida and won three out of five or whatever it was down the stretch. Uh, so we'd like to have a different scenario this year where you win going into the off week. But, you know, we'll we'll put together a great plan and prepare to go play our very best on Saturday night. And and certainly if we're fortunate enough to win, it would be awesome. And uh, if, if not, then we'll come right back to work on the next day and continue to try and get better and, and get better, get ready to uh, compete against the next opponent. How well do you remember the last time South Carolina played at Kentucky? Oh, um, that would have been oh last time South Carolina. I was at Kentucky. Oh, that was the night I got the job, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember it pretty dang good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's my birthday too. Huh? I said that was my birthday too. Was it? Yeah. Well, I thought that's what the, you were going to say is it was your birthday, or I should have said that. Yeah. No, I remember. Uh, I remember, um, I remember that night well, uh, for sure. I remember watching it on television. And, um, um, you know, it was a pretty cool phone call I got that night from Coach Tanner, and, and the rest is history. And obviously a little unique in that I guess you were sitting at home. Yeah. Ending COVID or whatever. And yes. Watching your current team play. And yeah. Your future team play, how, how did you kind of balance – which screen you paid more attention to that night as you're sitting at your house? <laughs> Since I don't work there anymore, all I watched was the South Carolina game. Um, I mean, I flipped back and forth just to see how we were doing, but um, I, it was one of those kind of like, um, I yes, I was home with COVID that whole week, so I, I zoomed into every meeting and I was coaching tight ends, so Stogner would have been in those meetings. I mean, I was running the tight end meeting from – the upstairs room at our house where I was isolating in, you know, so you prepared the tight ends at Oklahoma to play. And then when you get to Saturday, there's only, there's not like I can text Lincoln during the game about something that I see uh, that was going on with Oklahoma and, and, and Baylor that night. So I was certainly had a great, uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, I've cared about what was going, those were the guys that I coached, but I also knew that I was, you know, my life was probably getting ready to change one way or the other based on a phone call that I was going to get from coach Tanner you know, that night. And, and certainly once you got that phone call, um, I wanted to watch as much of the South Carolina, Kentucky game as possible. But honestly, once that phone call happened, it was such a blur. I don't even remember if I watched much of the game after that, it was more what's next. And, and, um, I got to get on a plane tomorrow morning and fly to Columbia. You talked about how Kentucky just finds a way to win games in the fourth quarter. You haven't had a one-score game yet coming down the stretch. How do you keep your guys sharp on stuff like that? And I guess what do you think the mentality of this team would be if they get in that situation eventually? Yeah, I think uh, I think it would be good. I mean, we uh, you prepare for as many scenarios as you can, and certainly you want to have games where you uh, take control in the second half and, and don't have to don't have to worry about that. And um, you know, I think our guys are have shown that we can handle adversity and and we pride ourselves on playing well in the in the fourth quarter as well and we want to be able to get games into the fourth quarter uh w w without a doubt also and the other thing hailed too i felt like garbage that whole week so um saturday this is uh, it's uh saturday my wife was like we need to get one of those what is it like an iv where they like pump in like juice or fluids or whatever into you so i it was supposedly something but she said helps like get you get your energy back 
it's like a they, it's an IV, but it's like an energy boost or something. I don't know. Some of you medical people know, may know about it. So they literally came in the house, and I'm literally coming off COVID. I'm in the living room getting an IV, watching South Carolina, Kentucky play, and just phone in one hand waiting on Coach Tanner to call. So I remember that. I don't know if it helped, but I got I felt better the next day, and I was able to get out of quarantine. I guess that day was when I was able to come out of the next morning. So I got my IV, and I was boosted up and ready to roll uh, to come to Columbia the next day. <laughs> 15 pounds lighter. <laughs> hey Shane, I know you told us that before the Charlotte game you told the guys to go out and um, just have fun. Mm -hmm. Okay, now you've had two blowout wins. Um, so I guess I want to know, are the guys a little more relaxed now? Are they having more fun? Not that they weren't having right. fun before, but just being able to enjoy themselves a little more, especially during games. Yeah, um, I think so. I hope so. I felt like, um, you know, those first three games, not that there was pressure on us, but it was almost like feeling like you had to make every play and, and not being able to just go relax and, and have fun. And we want to work really, really hard during the week and prepare really, really well during the week so that we can go out on Saturdays and just turn it loose and, and have fun and not worry about making mistakes. And I think our guys have done that the last couple of weeks and, and this week will be no different. Uh, you prepare really, really hard. But Saturday night, uh, SEC, uh, SEC Saturday night game, uh, under the lights, on the road, national television. I mean, what more could you want? I mean, that's uh, that should be exciting and should be fun. And want our guys to have fun uh, playing with each other and, and playing with passion and celebrating with each other as well. And now you got to go play well in order to do that. But, but I think so, Rick. I mean, I think they've uh, – um, they they know that we have a good football team and we haven't played our best and we're still striving to to play our best on all three phases. But and next Saturday night's the next opportunity and I think our guys are excited to go to go do that. Hey Shane, I appreciate your help with everything on Friday too last week. Um, so oh school yeah yeah I don't know what I did but you're welcome. Appreciate so. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just uh, talking about Kentucky a little bit, they've got three wide receivers that they throw to quite yeah. a lot, um, a lot of speed on the outside. How are you guys going about um, defending it? And I guess, what are you telling your safeties and DBs this week? Yeah, you want me to be like Coach Saban yesterday when he got asked that question about what he was going to do with the quarterback. And he's like, what do you want to do, give you the plan? Um, similar. No, we've got a big challenge facing those guys as well. Um, you know, obviously getting Rodriguez back, they're able to run the football uh, efficiently with him. I mean, he's a proven back, but now you've got, um, what is it? Two, two, six and two, six and nine, I think are their numbers with, uh, Brown and Dane and, 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 uh, Robinson. They're, they're fantastic players and they're electric and, and dynamic on the outside. I mean, uh, great in the return game, you know, one returns punts for them. The other one returns kickoff returns for them. So they're explosive there and they've got great speed and, and can run past you. Um, uh, don't know the young man from Nashville, but obviously Robinson's from Virginia, and remember him because he obviously went to Virginia Tech, and I was at George, I guess, and went through went into his school, and we were looking at him. And then Dane Key, we tried to recruit here last year, and and um, <laughs> felt like we had a good opportunity till I got word that when Florida beat Kentucky, or when Kentucky beat Florida last year, that. Dane's mom was at the game and leaped over the wall and like broke her foot or something storming the field after Kentucky beat Florida. So I felt like we had a pretty good chance. But note to self, like when the recruits mom 
injures a foot storming the field, you're probably not going to get that guy um, at your school. That's the story I was told. So if that's not true, I'm sorry, Miss Key. Uh, but that's what I heard. But he's a great young man. And, and those three guys are really, really talented. And it's going to be a big challenge for not only Cam and Sell and Darius and our corners, but the whole defense, you know, because everybody's going to be uh, with the pass rush has got to get there. We got to stop the run first of all. The linebackers got to make plays. Our safeties are going to be involved with the on coverage, so it's a it's a team effort because they uh, they're really really explosive and they can make big plays and they can go up and get it. I mean, you saw the catch that uh, Dane made against Florida, where he went up and got it, and then some of the plays they made um, throughout the season. It's really uh, it's really impressive to watch along with an NFL quarterback. Shane, I was going to say, is, is that elementary school still there in Murray, Kentucky? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Southwest. I'm not that old, man. Um, yeah. Southwest, uh, Southwest <laughs> Elementary School. It is. And uh, I guess when you look at Spencer's progression over the last, what, five games? I mean, I know it's not necessarily always totally linear, but I guess in terms of what you've seen from him game uh -huh. one to now, what's different? What's changed? What, what do you feel like he's done over that time to, to sort of improve and where he's at now? I think he's got really good command of what we're doing. Uh, I think he's got a better understanding of it for sure. We, if you look at what we're doing conceptually, I think we've really shrunk it down in some ways since the first game. Not that we were doing too much in the first game, but I do think, you know, we're running a lot of the same pass concepts just out of different formations and, you know, we're running the ball and, and if teams are committing too many people to the box to stop the run, Spencer's done a good job of kicking the ball out, you know, on the perimeter and let's go get five, six or more yards uh, as well. Uh, we talked to him after one of those first couple games about not always, you know, escaping out of the pocket when he felt pressure, stepping up in it. Like I talked about on the teleconference, he did that the other night on the touchdown pass to Stogner. Uh, I think he's got more, I don't want to say confidence, but he's, he's done a great job of being a leader, you know, the last few weeks and just continues to continues to get more and more, more and more comfortable and, and confident with what uh, he's doing and then what we're doing around him as well. Shane, what have you seen from Bam Martin Scott lately? That's, I mean, obviously depth has yeah. gotten him on the field, but what has he done to really earn that spot once he's gotten on the field? Yeah, no, I'm a huge Bam fan. He, he's got size, David. That's what I like. And when you look at him, he looks like what a linebacker is supposed to look like. And, um, you know, he's done a nice job for us on special teams, and he shows up there. He practices uh, really hard. He's, it, I'm a firm believer that what you're doing off the field uh, relates to what you're doing on the field. He's doing fantastic academically right now and proud of him from that standpoint. He's just really, he's matured and 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 um, just goes out there and gets better each and every practice. I think he's a guy that we need to continue to play more uh, for sure because he has, like I said, size and, and, and instincts and, and made a nice interception, a nice run after getting the interception the other night as well. Don't get many free weekends in your job. Just, I'm curious how you spend it. You spend any playing any Call of Duty with Marcellus or anything like that? <laughs> no, um, it was a good Saturday. I got home Friday night, obviously after work, and um, probably a lot like a lot of you guys, I guess, watching football. Um, woke up Saturday morning, had a couple cups of coffee, watched a little bit of game day, went downstairs, jumped on the Peloton for a while, came back upstairs, went and got a haircut, um, came home, watched football all afternoon after the 12 noon game. Uh, the, went on a walk with the family for a little over an hour. Uh, came home, watched more football, ordered Mexican food for dinner. 
uh, built a fire on the back porch and sat outside and watched football. Went to bed about 11, and that was it. So it was uh, it was awesome uh, as well, but enjoyed watching. And and um, and uh, I see what a normal Saturday is is like when you're not working on it or not working on Saturday. Was that a scripted Saturday, or did you audible? Or, <laughs> no. Um, it was scripted, I think. So it was very much planned, a, a lot of it. Shane, some coaches uh, put out a depth chart in the preseason. There's mm -hmm. no changes. Others alter it a little. As far as yours is concerned, the tweaks and stuff, is, are those intended to be a reward? You're trying to motivate people? Or, or what's up when you, you know, redo your depth chart each week? Uh, a lot of it is how quickly can I get Steve Fink out of my office when he comes in here and says any changes to the depth chart. Um, let me just throw an or in there this week to make to make Fink happy. Um, no, a little bit. Um, no, I think a lot of it is I try and be as you know forthcoming as possible. But I, but I do think that you know. I'm, Cam Smith may line up different places each week or, or uh, an offensive tackle may be different each week. I don't know how much of an advantage, if that's the case, on and that, that to, 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 to be totally, I don't want to say honest, but to put guys exactly where they're going to be lining up if there are changes to the lineup. I think that is something – there's a strategic advantage where you're smart about it as well. But, you know, for the most part on there, I mean, what – what's reality is what we put on there. And um, um, I think this week we changed an, an or with Tonka Hemingway and some of the D linemen. And a lot of that, a lot of those ors, Gene, really are because I feel like we have multiple starters. Like if you look at our defensive tackles, I mean, those guys are rotating. We're playing about six defensive tackles. So to me, we've got four starters and then we've got kind of the next couple with with TJ Sanders and Nick Barrett and uh, just kind of reflecting that a little bit better. Um, but it's nothing. I mean, we communicate with guys individually on the team if there are any depth chart changes because we talk about competition here all the time. So we're we're constantly competing. Things aren't set in stone. Um, but it's not like I take the put the depth chart up in the team meeting on Tuesday morning and say, okay, here's the changes, just so everybody knows. I mean, we communicate that with individuals and and they know as well. And a lot of that too. The other thing too is. Steve usually asks me that on Sunday night, and a lot of times on Sunday night, we really haven't made a decision as a staff on exactly what you know we may, we may be doing this week because at that point on Sunday night, we're just coming off the game from the day before. We haven't really dove into the next opponent yet, and a lot of those decisions are made on um, on Mondays as well. Not that we don't update it because I will if there are updates, but I hope that answers your question. So yeah, I think from a from a depth chart standpoint, but it's overall personnel with our team, we're constantly competing. You're evaluated every single day on what you do in practice and what you do on the field on Saturdays. And to me, your depth chart, uh, who's playing, should uh, should respect should reflect that. And we tell our players that all the time that I don't care if you're a six-year senior that's been a starter for three straight years like you better keep competing because there's other guys behind you that are continuing to try and get better and we don't want anybody getting complacent around here I was going to ask you this before you reference coach Saban and the quarterbacks thing but uh Luke's obviously at that four game threshold is the plan for him to play if if he needs to at some point down the road or can you kind of share what what the plan is there you talking about Luke Doty because it's played. four games as far as the red shirt goes. Correct. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, our plan is 
full speed ahead with him from that standpoint. Now, whether we have packages with Luke to get him in the game more because he showed he's shown this year that he's really a weapon with his feet as well. You know, that's to be determined on that. But yeah, I mean, Luke's one of our top two quarterbacks right now. So we're continuing to try and get him uh, ready to play. And, and you're right. There's a lot of guys. I mean, we have a staff meeting every every game day as a staff and that we cover a lot of different things. But one of the things we talk about in that meeting is how to play the players. And now that you're at this kind of halfway point, that's one of the things that comes up is, okay, we don't need to put this guy in the game unless it's an emergency because we'd love to save those four games or we're full speed ahead on this guy. I mean, there was a one of our players was in my office right before I came in here, and that was one of the discussions we had. He's a freshman, and, and he's playing on a special team right now, but he's not playing as much on offense, defense, and just kind of talking about his role in the four games and, and all that as well. So those are things that we discussed, but we're full speed ahead on Luke. Kentucky, since Mark Stoops has been around, has, has been one of the most physical teams in the SEC, in, yeah. in, in my estimation. A um, couple, couple of things. How do you feel like uh, your team matches up from a physicality standpoint, especially along both lines of scrimmages? And two, Kentucky's offensive line doesn't seem to be having as great a success as they have maybe in, in recent years. Uh, do you see anything different uh, about them? Um, you're right. Uh, that's your observation is correct. I mean, they are really, really physical and, um, I mean, they've always been that way. I mean, I can remember when I was at Georgia as an assistant and Kirby used to talk about just how physical they were. And back then this was before they had some of the new offensive coordinators and, and they were doing a lot of wildcat and it was physical downhill and, and trying bloody your nose. And Kirby used to talk about that when I worked at Georgia. Uh, so they, that's their mentality. He's a defensive coach and it shows, um, so I, I feel like we, I hope, you know, we match up well. I like to think that we're pretty physical too. I think we've gotten better at that here the last couple of weeks. We practice physical because we're going to need to play physical on, on game days, but especially Saturday night and, and our players certainly understand that. I mean, we, we've got to, we've got to play physical on Saturday. There's no question about it. And, um, your words, not mine on the offensive line. I think they've, uh, they're, they've got size, um, they're physical, They've got big humans on that offensive line. They lost uh, two really good offensive tackles, I guess, off last year's team, and they've had some injuries up front on the offensive line where they've had to move. They've had to move some guys around, but I think they've. Uh, I'm impressed with them. I mean, they're athletic, and they got some good young players. And and the transfer from Auburn that's starting for them is a really really talented player, and. Uh, you know, I know they've they've given up some sacks and they're not running the ball as efficiently as they l would like, I guess. But I mean, I watch the tape and and um, I don't see that. You know, I see a really physical, impressive, athletic offensive line group. I got you. We'll give him one more. He's trying, man. <laughs> Shane, you want to give a shout out to the Mexican place you had? Uh, no, because then I feel like if I do, then it makes <laughs> the other ones feel yeah. slighted and some one may be a sponsor and all that. I don't yeah. know. So I don't even know, to be honest with you. My wife ordered it. It just showed up. and Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys obviously probably script the first 15 plays, first two drives of the game. When you guys are scripting, what's the conversation like with Sat when you're doing that? Is it, hey, let's try and do some different things to see how they line up. Let's try to run our scheme to get guys a little bit into a rhythm. What goes into how you script those plays? Yeah, I think it's we're going to certainly uh, – um, you're not going to necessarily say, okay, this is first play, second play, third play, fourth play, because you don't know how the games necessarily 
uh, going to go. For example, the Georgia game, I want to say we hit um, – um, I think it was Georgia. We hit Jaheim. Did we hit Jaheim on that first drive? Was that the first drive? We hit Jaheim down the sideline. You know, I think that was the second or third play of the game. It was going to be the second play of the game. I think we hit Stogner on the first pass. Uh, the second play was going to be to throw to Jaheim. We were close to the first down, so I want to say we went tempo, got the first down, and then immediately went to what was supposed to be play two, if that makes sense. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, so you can get off script a little bit. and then, But it's more so these are the opening ten plays. We want to get called early. One, it's something that we like. Two, it may be let's see how they're going to play this formation. Three, let's run this to try and set this up later. Uh, I thought Lincoln, that was one of the great things I learned from Lincoln Riley was every Friday we'd sit down as a coach, as an offensive staff, and he would say, okay, when I call this, you guys in the press box, make sure you're watching for that because I want to see if this is going to be there. You know, and when I call this, make sure somebody has their eyes on the Will linebacker because if he does X, we're going to do Y and type thing. And then it's also – First, third down, here's what we're going to call. First time we're on the goal line, here's what we're going to call. Uh, so a lot of it is what we do well, but also how we want to attack them and how we want to set things up later in the game for sure. And then we you know, we, we uh, talk about it as a staff, and then we go over it with the offense on, on Friday night. I mean, that's what the Friday night offensive meeting is, is here's the openers, here's how we're going to, here's how we're going to start the game. What you got? We're good. Sorry, didn't mean, no, didn't mean to overrule no. you think. Marshawn told us the story after the game Thursday about how you all kind of picked up trash after the Georgia game in the mm -hmm. locker room to throw away some bad thoughts. How did that kind of come around, and how do you think that helped? Um, I thought it was – I think it was really good, uh, to be honest with you. It was um, – uh, you know, I remember maybe it was – I think it was Bill Parcells or Sean Payton won. They had a bad game in the NFL, and they went out on the practice field, and they, like, dug a hole, and they buried the game from the day before. And um, it kind of started – along those lines and it was just really a conversation with me and Derek Moore and Luke Day and Chip Morton uh just kind of talking about some things and how to get our team playing better and it kind of just stemmed off that instead of burying something it's we've got different things that are cluttering things up for us right now that are keeping us from maybe playing our best maybe it's frustration with your role maybe it's frustration with um uh, a teammate maybe it's uh, uh, outside expectations I don't know but whatever you're holding on to or whatever's keeping you from playing your best and playing free and having fun like uh, like Rick's question get rid of it you know so we can not keep holding ourselves back and, and not beat ourselves you know let's clean ourselves up and because a lot of give Georgia credit give Arkansas credit you know they beat us um, but we didn't, and they had a lot to do with it, but we certainly didn't play great. And let's get, let's clean ourselves up, pick up our trash and get ourselves right and allow us to just go play free. And you never know how those things are going to go. So you may think it's really corny and cheesy. And I didn't know we walked out of the team meeting room, walked down to the locker room and there's just 150 pieces of trash laying on the floor that, that we had put out and players, coaches, staff, everybody picked up something and threw it away. And, you never know, but it was pretty cool. A lot of the guys, that players, seniors, you know, that came up to me afterwards and thanked me and said we needed that. And and one of the coolest things I've been a part of, stuff like that. So I don't know. We've won the last two since we did it. So maybe it, <laughs> maybe hopefully it helped. But I do think just the message of it, and we still talk about it now. Like, don't let this trash come back in and clutter ourselves up. Like, just keep ourselves continuing to get better and not let any outside noise or uh, talking heads on social media that think they know what the heck they're talking about and don't um, affect what we have going on in here.
So thank you. All right, y'all have a good trip. See you later. Okay, that's it for Shane Beamer. Folks, appreciate you all tuning in. We're going to go and get out of here. We are past 2 o'clock. Stay tuned for the podcast that will drop tomorrow. Uh, I'll have my full thoughts and a full breakdown on all of Shane Beamer's comments on that podcast, as well as talking gambling and a great conversation for you guys to tune into as well. Hey, appreciate all those that called in. Thank you all so much for the banter. The beauty truly is in the banter, and I appreciate you all each and every single day making this thing what it is. Hey, thank you all so much. Have a fantastic rest of your Tuesday, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.